Have you ever experienced a dream where you're falling and you wake up and your whole body does one of those violent shakes? Or had that dream where you're being chased, but you can't escape whoever or whatever is chasing you? Here's one that I have from time to time. I'm sprinting as fast as I can, and then a huge headwind pushes against me and slows me up to a snail's pace. I fight against it, and I struggle, but I end up going nowhere. Like falling, being chased, running, and getting nowhere. All these dreams derive from the anxious thoughts that we have. It doesn't matter if you're a nervous Nelly or a worry wart or happy-go-lucky or a cool cat or kitten. Everyone has those moments of fear, of insecurity, of anxiety. Experiencing an anxious moment from time to time is a normal part of life. But I think with the circumstances of our day, most of us have heightened anxiety. Some of you might be in full-blown panic mode right now. Like this pandemic and our government's response to it has become a spark which has lit a forest fire of fear in your life. Well, let's get honest. Some are consumed with anxiety because their spiritual life was dry. They weren't deepening their faith and, and their relationship with God through scripture reading or through prayer at any time in their, in their spiritual journey. And because of that, their soul has become a tinderbox. And, and they, they were just a spark away from destruction. And now this pandemic has been that very spark that has created an overwhelming, out-of-control anxiety in their life. Hey, if that defines you right now, you're not alone. A couple of weeks ago, during uh, Governor Holcomb's press briefing, Family and Social Services Administration Secretary uh, Dr. Jennifer Sullivan revealed what she called alarming numbers around mental health and addiction in the state of Indiana. Here's what she said. She said, our Indiana's 211 hotline, which receives calls from Hoosiers who are experiencing mental health issues and have suicidal thoughts, went from an average of 1,100 calls a day to 25,000 calls a day. Those, those are outstanding numbers. I mean, these are stressful times for millions of people. This isn't, listen, this isn't a political statement, but, but maybe the cure may be doing more damage to our lives than the virus itself. I think we're going to see a whole wave of mental health issues like we've never seen before here in the next coming months. My, my thought is this. There has to be some way to alleviate the anxiety right now, to repress the stress. And I believe these are defining moments for us. And how we define this moment is going to originate in how we decide to address our stress. The question I think you have to answer is, are you going to live by fear or by faith? Let me define both fear and faith. Fear is complex. Like psychologists rather define it as a mix of emotions and feelings. It combines the head and the heart. It actually is defined as an emotion caused by, now catch this, a belief, an emotion caused by a belief, a belief that someone or something is dangerous or a threat to you or to those you love or to your way of life. I read this past week that fear and anxiety is an idea-crippling, experience-crushing, success-killing inhibitor inflicted only by yourself. That same thing went on to say, you have to remember that fear is not real. It's a product of the thoughts you create and decide to believe. Now listen, don't misunderstand. Danger is very real. But fear? Fear is a choice. Hey, if fear is a choice, then what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is also rooted in belief. It's faith. The simplest definition of faith is believing that something is true and then committing your life to it. 
So as believers in God, this would mean we commit our lives to God and trust in him to get us through these troubling times. Faith is about believing. You don't know how God will get you through it, but you know he will. Faith is believing that a good God is in control of all things. And and if you can rest in the fact that God is in control, then you can rest when things seem out of control. So the big question of the day is, if faith and fear both start with belief, which will you choose? You know that the two greatest commandments of God are love God and love people. But did you know that the most used commandment that God gives to us in the scriptures is? Do not be afraid. Fear not. It was commanded by Jesus that he gave the disciples in the upper room the night before he was arrested and then the next day crucified. Don't be afraid. It's what God told Joshua as he was thrusted into a new role of leadership during a tough time. Do not be afraid, Joshua. From the apostle Peter's command to us to throw our anxieties onto Jesus and Jesus' command to us, do not worry about tomorrow. Over and over again, God tells his children, be still, fear not, don't be afraid. Will you choose anxiety or assurance? Insecurity or certainty? Fear or faith? Like The Israelites were placed into a position where they had to decide how they were going to live their life by fear or by faith. In Exodus 14, it begins with a scene of millions of Israelites running away from their enslavement in Egypt. They've been released from centuries of slavery. And God brought 10 plagues onto Egypt. It was, it was punishment, really, to the Egyptians. Those plagues continued until uh, the Pharaoh of Egypt had his firstborn son die. And then he finally freed the Israelites The Israelites were led out of Egypt by a leader named Moses. And just a few days later, they found themselves making camp on the edge of a large body of water called the Red Sea. And just when they thought they were free and safe, out of nowhere came this cloud of dust that could be seen. And on the horizon, it was discovered that the Pharaoh and his entire army of Egypt were pursuing them. The Egyptians had a change of mind. And the Pharaoh had a hardened heart toward the Israelites They're they're going to go slaughter the Israelites by the shoreline of the Red Sea. Exodus 14, verse 10 through 12 says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And immediately, the Israelite people waxed negative. They believe they're they're going to die. And in their fear, they went to the worst place, death. There, There was no other conclusion of their outcome. It seems the same thing happens to us when our back is against the wall. The anxiety of the moment takes us to the worst case scenario. Let's let's recognize that there is a pattern to our anxiety. It starts with fear, and then it turns to sarcasm, and then it quickly becomes a downward spiral to the worst case scenario. This is the cycle that the majority of us go through. It's it's the fear cycle. If you've decided to live by fear, where's this going to take you though? It's going to take you. Is it going to take you to a bad place? 
Because I don't, I don't see any good coming from the fear cycle. Let's look at, let's look at it for a moment. Fear. Do, do, you make, do you make wise decisions or worse decisions when you're scared? You know, this past week, a company in France surprised one of their longtime employees with an outing to an airbase to do a ride-along with a fighter pilot in a French Air Force jet. The man's employers had thought that this was this guy's lifelong dream. What they didn't know was, it wasn't a dream of his. And the guy was so stressed out about flying that as soon as the jet took off, the guy pulled the eject handle. And at 2,500 feet, the canopy popped off the jet and the guy blasted out, ejecting from the plane. Now, fortunately, he safely parachuted back to earth. We don't, we don't make the clearest decisions when we're scared. Most of the time, we pull the eject handle in situations that might be a little stressful and, and turbulent, but reality is we're still safe and God is still in control. He's still pilot in command. We make poor decisions when we're afraid. You know, in Exodus 14, verse 11, the Israelites, the Israelites' fear leads them to a place of sarcasm. They say to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us all the way out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? And then, then they say in verse 12, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? They were, they were, they were once slaves begging God for their freedom. And now, because of fear, they mock God's plan and they say, if God wanted us to die, why did he drag us all the way out to the shores of the Red Sea, to the middle of nowhere? We could have just died in Egypt. God, you might as well just have killed us there in Egypt by our homes. At least that way we would not have had this false hope of freedom. And you see sarcasm in a marriage when a couple has their back against the wall. It, it, sarcasm comes out when, when business partners are under stress or when a student is under pressure to study. This is so stupid. Why do we have to learn this? Scared people hide behind the veil of sarcasm. Look, there might be times when, when it's humorous and playful, but, but, but when sarcasm is used to mock, it's typically shielding fear. And recently, I've seen more mocking on social media than ever before. Whether it's for or against a government decision or attacking someone's personal opinion, that they might have about this moment in history, I'd say the social distancing we need to practice is social media distancing. Is it adding value to your life right now? Or is it stirring your anger and stoking your fears? You know, these days, there is so much mistruth, half-truth, and flat-out lies surrounding the coronavirus. It's true that statistics don't lie, but they also don't tell us the full truth. My advice as a pastor is leave behind the world's way of dealing with the problems. Leave the fighting and the divisiveness, the, the mocking sarcasm to those without hope. Leave the social media fights and the clever comebacks to those without hope. You see, the cycle of fear. The Israelites stood between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army, went fear to sarcasm, and then they went straight to the worst case scenario. Have you noticed how much the national news media has gone straight to the worst case scenario? It just feeds our fears. Let me ask you, what scares you the most? Sharks or vending machines? I know, okay, that sounds like a silly question. But nearly all of us would say, oh, without a doubt, sharks scare us the most. But did you know more people died by vending machine deaths last year than they did by sharks? 
Like some of you don't, don't even dare go into the ocean because you go straight to the worst case scenario. You go to the place where you think you're going to be eaten by a shark if you get into the water. But you've got no problem walking past a vending machine. Well, okay, you, you might now. Uh, to those of you who have a fear of flying, what justifies that fear? You go to the worst case scenario. The, the plane's going to fall apart, break apart in the sky. But did you know that twice as many people are killed by hippopotamuses than killed in a plane crash? Our, our fears are unfounded. Think about this for a moment. We're being shown sick maps and death ratios and total confirmed cases and all are being spun up to the worst case scenario. And I would bet that many of you are going to the worst case scenario with every news report or confirmed local case. Isn't there a better way to live than in a house of fear? In Exodus chapter 14, verse 12, the people say to their leader Moses, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? <laughs> no, guys, that's not at all what they said in Egypt. They begged God for their freedom, and they, they requested that Moses ask Pharaoh to let him go. And then they go on to say, would, would it have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert? And they go into this downward spiral straight to the worst case scenario. We're going to die out here. Okay, look, I know it's not really fair to judge the reaction of others when, when you're not faced with the same scenario. And I, I know that I'm looking at something in hindsight, and, and it, of course, is 2020. But a couple things come to mind about how the Israelites dealt with their crisis. First, the Israelites had just witnessed the, the incredible, miraculous power of God as he unleashed 10 plagues on Egypt. They should have been believing in God and trusting in him for a miracle. Second, they weren't even going to put up a fight against the Egyptians. They were just going to be like lambs to the slaughter. So no trust in God and no action on their part, just fear, worry, anxiety, and waiting for the worst outcome. You know, to me, that sounds like a terrible way to live. Listen, if fear is a choice, I'm determining today not to choose it. How about you? So, so if you and I are choosing not to fear today, what's the alternative? It's faith. In the midst of what is looking like the ultimate calamity for the Israelites, a leader appears. He's been, he's been there since the exodus out of Egypt, but this is his moment to show the people what it looks like to deny fear. His name is Moses. He had a time in his life when he ran away from his problems, ran away because he worried what might happen to him. But he must have had one of those never again moments since that time. Like never again, he resolved, will I let fear blindly guide me? So inspired by God, Moses presents a better plan to the Israelites. Exodus 14, verse 13 through 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today will never see you again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. That is like, that is like the most ultimate faith-filled leadership moment you'll ever see right there. Trapped between a huge body of water and, and an overwhelming army, God will fight for us. You just stop worrying. Man, talk about, talk about faith. He stands up and he says, 
We're going to adopt a fear not mentality. And then he leads the Israelites through this, this new cycle, this fear not cycle. Fear not, stand firm and anticipate God's help. Now, Moses' plan doesn't sound all that courageous. Like It's basically stay calm and wait on God. That, that's the new plan. It's a good plan. It's a godly plan. It comes from scripture. You see, earlier in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is told by God that he and the Israelite people would be freed from the hold that the Egyptians have on them, and they will live long enough to worship on top of a mountain called Horeb, also called Mount Sinai. And just a quick geography listen. That mountain, Mount Horeb, where God promised the people would worship after their escape from the Egyptians, is on the opposite side of the Red Sea. It's on the opposite shore of where Moses and the Israelites are currently standing. Like Moses, for sure, is trusting in the faithful promise of God in this moment. He he might be thinking, oh, we're going to die. Yeah, we're going to die. We're just not going to die here on this shoreline. Not until we worship on that mountain on the other side of the sea, just as God has promised us. You see, Moses is able to tame his fears by trusting in what God had already promised him. How about you? Are you controlling fear by trusting in what God has already promised you? This is how Moses stands firm. This is his cycle of fear not. It moves from fear not to stand firm, standing on God's promises Like when there is a national global crisis, stand firm on who God is and what he has promised, what he has already accomplished. He's got a track record of good and miraculous things. And this is is Moses' plan, stand firm. His command is to hold on to the promise of God. Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us hold firmly to the hope that we have confessed because we can trust God to do what he promised. Listen, we're not people without hope. We're not looking to the world or to a government to meet our needs or to erase our insecurities. We're not people who should be looking to politicians to have our anxieties relieved or counting on the medical community to provide a cure to every single disease and virus. If if that's who you are, you're standing on the wrong shoreline. You're standing with the Israelites who feel hopeless and anxious and worried and fearful. Moses Moses is already standing on the opposite shoreline, the the side of the sea that God promised him. Moses is in full trust mode that God's going to deliver him because of the promise that God made to him. And the people needed this kind of leader in in their moment. And let me just point this out to you. People need you right now. They need you to be the one who says to their family and friends, fear is a liar. And today, we're adopting a fear not mentality. We will stand firm on God's promises. Never will God leave us. Never will God abandon us. Hey, this new fear not plan puts complete faith in God, not in yourself. Puts complete faith in God that he will win the day. Stand firm, then quickly moves to anticipate God's help. And what I've discovered about times of anxiety and fear is it reveals what I really believe about God. When my days go dark, do I choose fear or faith? Because when I choose fear, it's to say to God, I don't trust you. I don't believe in your promises. I cannot count on you to see me through this. 
but when I choose faith. I stand on the opposite shoreline, the shoreline of deliverance. God, I don't know what you're going to do, but based on your promises and your character, I am anticipating your help in this. Friends, that doesn't mean that God's going to spare me from from the problem. It means that God is present in my problem. And he will calm me and reassure me that he has a track record of doing great and even miraculous things. Like, I'm sure you know the rest of the story. Exodus 14, verse 15 and 16 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites, now listen to this phrase, move on. Take a step of faith. And so he tells Moses, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And the scripture says that an angel of God stood between the armies of Egypt and the Israelites. And this gave God enough time to save and rescue his people. And so Moses does what God commanded him. In faith, he stretches out his hand over the Red Sea. And all that night, God drove the seas back with a strong east wind and turned a section of the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided and the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Now notice, God didn't build a bridge over the water. He didn't dig a tunnel under it either. He took the Israelites right through it. And when they went through it, what they went through, they couldn't get through on their own. They needed God's help. And they worshiped God after they made it through like they never worshiped God before. They worshiped him because God delivered them. God saved them and God gave them new life. Okay, I I want you to see that faith is trusting in God to do the big, big things. To do bigger things. Don't, don't get caught up in the crowd of hopeless opinions. Don't stand on the shoreline of fear. Move to the shore of faith. Stand on the promise of God. Today, today, write a new chapter of your life that begins with never again. Never again will I choose fear and believe in the worst. I choose faith and I believe in the best. I will stand firm and I will anticipate God's help. Hey, I'm calling you to receive a better plan. I'm, I'm calling you to receive the fear not plan. Here's where the plan actually starts. Before you can expect God to get you through your troubled waters, you first need to place your troubles in the water. God calls us through his son Jesus to leave to leave behind our fears, and to take an action step of faith and to be baptized. Jesus had actually said in Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And today, you may be considering to to move on and to start a never again life. That begins by placing your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life. And if you are desiring to be baptized or or if you have questions about who Jesus is, I want you to contact us. You can reach out through our webpage and find our emails there. You can link up with us on one of the social media sites that you're on right now. Just, Just respond to us and let us know if you'd like a pastor to contact you. And as you contemplate faith and fear and what you'll choose today, I want to pray for us and anticipate God to help us in this moment of crisis. Father, 
You're always good to us, and you've always been good to us. You are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The same God that delivered the Israelites that day is the same God who is with us today. And Father, for, for those that are listening and are making an adjustment to their life, may we start this chapter today that says, never again, never again will I fear. And today we choose faith. We choose that you're going to do something great and good through all of this. And we already see ourselves on the other shoreline, a shoreline that you have promised. And we're thankful, Father, that you have given us hope in the middle of darkness. Thank you, Father, for the great gift of Jesus Christ, the great gift that he has given to us, the forgiveness of our sins so that we can have a great and awesome relationship with you. May we take advantage of these days where we're sheltered at home. May we take advantage of this unnormal time where we can re-meet with you, encounter you in a fresh and new way, and maybe for the very first time step out on faith and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Do great things through us and with us. We trust in you in our days today. We pray these things in Christ Jesus' name and we say together, amen.